Welcome to the Redeemer Lincoln Square podcast. Our church began in 2017 and is located just down the street from Lincoln Center in the Lincoln Square neighborhood of Manhattan. Our podcast will primarily feature sermons from our Sunday worship service and the occasional interview or ministry resource. We hope you'll subscribe. Now, here's today's message. Galatians chapter 5, verse 13 to 18. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you'll be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Amen. Hello, everybody. It's been a a tough week in New York. Um, one of the reasons why we're doing this live is so that we can text in questions and have some form of dialogue and relationship together. But we have to start with acknowledging it's been tough. Uh, for most New Yorkers, we've been shut into our homes very physically. Uh, we've been confined to our apartments, imprisoned, but also mentally stuck in our minds, uh, endlessly wondering what will happen to us, what will happen to our loved ones, what will happen to those who are most in need. Uh, we don't like isolation. The idea of being stuck, for me personally, has reminded me how much I love the concept of freedom. I think we've all been thinking about what is freedom about now. Uh, The absence of it heightens our love for it. However, our love for freedom, as much as it's there, I think our modern view of freedom is uh, truncated. It's incomplete. And so since this has been on our minds and our hearts, Today's passage really helps us to process and work through what is real freedom. And so let's look at freedom today. Really briefly, there's only a couple verses here. Um, And let's do it in three ways. One, let's look at what what does the modern culture say about freedom? What does our culture say about freedom? What does Paul say about freedom? And then lastly, how can we move from the first kind of freedom to the second kind? All right, so what is... uh, Modern day, what does our culture say about freedom? What does Paul say about freedom? And then what um, is the way to move? Assuming that um, Paul's version is better, how do we move from the first to the second? So first, what does our culture say about freedom? And um, if you look at our first verse, uh, culture and Paul actually agree. Freedom is good. Verse 13 says, my brothers and sisters, all of you were called to be free. It's good then, right? But he moves on really quickly. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Now, the word indulge here, it can also be um, translated opportunity. Or, you know, don't opportunistically uh, use your freedom in the flesh. And so Paul is worried at some level here that the way we're using our freedom, the way we define it is problematic. And so let's go into that. Well, how, how do modern people, how do we... Uh, define freedom. I think freedom for most of us and for most of our culture 
we assume it's the, it's the highest, most self, self-evident good that's out there. Coming out of the 20th century where you saw a rise of, of fascism and communism that took away individual freedoms and crushed those individual freedoms, now we've moved towards making freedom the ideal to strive for. The, the standard in society to judge societies and ourselves. So whoever can represent the most freedom from the bonds of religion, from the cosmos, from, from even our own bodies, that individual, that person has the highest good. So a, a quick, easy working definition is uh, um, essentially that freedom is the absence of limitations or constraints. It's the absence of limitations or constraints. And that sounds good. We, that, man, that plays well until you realize that actually everyday life doesn't work that way. And I can easily show you this. Take any freedom. The freedom to eat whatever you want, whenever you want. That's a great freedom. Eat whatever you like. But I promise you, if you do that, you will be shackled to and bound to an unhealthy body. Why? Because the freedom of eating whatever you want, whenever you want, is intention, it's in conflict with the freedom to live a long and fruitful life because they can't actually coexist at the same time. How about bike riding? I love bike riding. I like the freedom of bike riding. But if I don't pump up the tires, if I don't grease the chain, if I don't get regular maintenance on my bike, what's going to happen? The bike's going to break down. Why? Because I was not being bound to the design of the bike. I was not being bound to maintenance. And so I get freedom from, from biking, but only because of the constraint that I put on myself. And, and so the bike will take, will um, only work with inside its bounds. And so here's the problem. Our culture defines freedom as freedom from, without constraints. But uh, life doesn't work that way. In real life, there are multiple freedoms. There are multiple um, ways of living, but, but because you have to give up some freedoms for other freedoms. For instance, if you want the freedom of watching Netflix whenever you want, you can. You just probably won't be able to keep the freedom of having a job. Or let's say you want a job. You would then have to give up the freedom of not doing your homework or, or going to school. I wish I could go back in time to my high school self. And, you know, at the time I desperately wanted the freedom of having a girlfriend, but I, I should have told myself, you can only have that if I constrained myself to better hygiene principles and taking a shower and, and, and giving up that freedom to not have those things. And so when, what Paul is saying here is yes, yes, yes. Freedom's good. We all know that, but the way we, we use our freedom tends to be wrong. That's what, that's what in the flesh means here. And that is what he's talking about, that the way we use it to define ourselves from all things actually brings about more bondage. Uh, you don't have to be a Christian to acknowledge this. In fact, a lot of 20th century humanistic philosophers have pointed this out, that if you take freedom to its ultimate uh, destination and you're free from all things, that actually ultimately leads to isolation and disconnection. Because ultimate freedom means you lose all values, all pattern, all symbols, all definitions, because those things are, are, have boundaries. They, then, therefore, freedom, even though it might lead to independence and um, being away from all restrictions, 
to live any way you want, you can have that, but then you know what you won't have? You won't have relationships. You won't have love. The very definition of love is stopping our freedom of autonomy to be bound to into other individuals, other persons, other, other people. And so Paul wants us to see that absolute freedom is actually impossible. Absolute freedom is actually about real freedom is what we bind ourselves to before the uh, coronavirus. Uh, there was a phrase that was used a lot that, which is you do you. And I've been thinking about this just two weeks later, that phrase just now sounds silly. You, you do you doesn't work because we know our individual actions affect others. That's why we're self quarantining. Of course, being a part uh, has caused great angst. A lot of us are asking questions like, is this going to work? Is giving up these freedoms are going to, or is it going to lead to other people's freedoms? Is it worth it for me, for them? Interestingly, Paul says that questions, those kind of questions are the right ones because he's saying, yes, 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 you're free. But how are you going to use your freedom? How, what are you going to pick? If life is about picking some freedoms over other freedoms and binding ourselves to other individuals and people, the real question is the right question is, is not how do I get most free? That's not helpful because it's actually impossible. The right question is which freedoms should I bind myself to? Or you can actually reverse it. Which restrictions bring about the most amount of liberation? And this is where we have to do a little bit of self-reflection, which um, I, I hope we've, we'll spend some time and, and redeem the time that we have doing that. I happen to know that even if you call yourself a Christian, I mean, whether you're a Christian or not a Christian, I think I, can, I, I believe, I know that we don't have as much freedom in our lives as we think. And I don't just mean being physically bound. I mean the enslaving nature of the emotions that are, that are flying around inside of us, that we've been stuck in our heads. And so there's this paralyzing uh, fear there's un- about our uncertain circumstances and what's going to be next and what's going to happen. But we can actually go deeper than that. What about inside of us, the, the, the tendency to focus on self, of our selfishness, of our self-focus? That, that seems to be our, our, our disposition. That's our, that's our default. And that kills relationships. And I think there's a lot of truth here that we're actually less free than, than what we think we are. And so look, we need to move on. What, what, then what's Paul's answer? At Redeemer Lincoln Square, we value questions and the people who ask them, which is why we hold a time of question and response, or Q&R, after our Sunday worship service. It's an opportunity for anyone to text in questions and then process responses alongside our pastor and other members of our church community. If you have questions about today's message, send an email to lsq at redeemer.com or join us for our Sunday worship service. Now, here's the remainder of today's teaching. The second thing that we see here is how Paul defines freedom. And then we need to compare and contrast. Now, notice if we do it our way, go back to the text. Verse 15 says, well, if we do it in the flesh, we're going to bite and devour each other. We're going to destroy each other. That our normal way of living life unto ourselves causes breakdown. I don't think I need to spend a lot of time trying to prove this. If you look at just you know, the past couple of decades, how we live our freedoms, they're in content, constant uh, contrast and tension with other people's. 
and it leads to breakdown. So what Paul says this, you want freedom? All right, it's very simple. Do not indulge the flesh. And then he says, rather serve one another humbly in love. And so what he's saying is, you want to know how to define freedom? It's in verse 14. If you do that, it's by fulfilling the law of love, your neighbor as yourself. Now, um, when he says serve, the Greek word here is much stronger. It means to be a servant or even sometimes to be a slave. He's saying, bind yourself to someone else. That's what it means to love. And that's how you're going to have ultimate freedom. Now, we need to now realize this, that that means the modern definition of love is primarily a feeling is problematic. The way modern people define love, I like to say, it's like a, it's something that you can fall in and out of. It's like a vat. You're walking along and I've fallen in love. And now I've fallen out of love. And that, that, that sees it as something that can come and go, but that's actually not how real love works. Real love is a binding action of service. And that means if someone says to you, I love you, but they're not willing to give up uh, their, their, their life for you, then they don't really love you. Or put it yourself. If you say to someone else, I love you, but you're not willing to give up your freedom of self-determination, you don't really love them. You don't. You might say it, uh, but the actions aren't there to back up those statements. Now, then people say, well, then what about that feeling I have? Well, that might be infatuation. It might be the fuzzies, the warm fuzzies that you get because they desire you or you desire them. But at the end of the day, that real love comes when you lose your freedom by serving them and attaching yourself to them. In fact, the deeper the love the, the less you get to do what, what you want, the more you're committed and binding yourself to them. Think of a love a parent has to a child and what they give up for that. Think of the love that you might have for a friend and, and the, the sacrifice that that takes. So freedom from all things that our culture likes to say, it, it sounds nice, but if you actually run its course, it's just another way to say self being selfish. Ultimately, it leads to a, a, a selfishness, and that's the opposite of love. And so if we want love, if that's what the human condition is, we want love, the only way you can have that is by losing your freedom in service of others. So go back to our verses. Verse 13 says, to indulge the flesh, then that means it says me first. And then verse 14, it's basically saying, no, you first. Verse 13 says, I want my needs met through you. Verse 14 is, I want your needs met through me. And therefore, real freedom is not independence. It means dependence. Real love is not being served, but serving. And this means we have to go back into our nature of how we're built. Just like a watch is built for telling the time, but not for hammering. Just like a, a fish is meant to be in water, not on the floor. Think about yourself. Like if you were built to be getting in and out of relationships easily, having no constraints on your life, then why are we so miserable when we do it? See, it shows us that the, what we're built for is freedom in relationships where you serve and are served, where you are serving and you are served. Just like a boat is made for sailing, just like a bird is made for, for flying. You and I were built with a purpose, not just to get joy, but to give joy. Not just to get, but to give. And so the crazy turn of events about human life and nature is that by service, when you serve, you actually get served. You get freedom by 
by binding yourself into a relationship. And there is no more freeing relationship that's out there than the relationship with the God of the universe. If there's one thing that I think we've hopefully are starting to realize in the past 14 days that's taught us is that we're not made to be alone. That uh, we're not made to be in this kind of isolation. That the hurt that you feel right now is not a sign of, of brokenness. It's actually a sign of your creation. So let's pull back for just a second. Go back into the verses. Paul is saying to be, have real love, it means to bind yourself in service. And therefore, real freedom is placing yourself in this love. The charge for you and me then is not to be free from all things, but when we're using the flesh, it means we're being selfish, right? We're, 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 we're to be really free, Paul says, it means to serve our neighbor. It's a command that he's given us. And so a lot of people would stop right here and say, well, there's the command. Now go and do, right? That's what you need to be doing right now. The command is there. Let's uh, um, serve and go. Let's pray. But if we stop there, we have a problem, don't we? The, re- the problem is this. I can't just tell you to try harder. The people that Paul, are talk- that, that Paul is talking to knew it was a good thing to serve. You and I know it's good to love our neighbor as ourselves. It doesn't make us do it. it, 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 um, it you can't and you won't on your nature. Maybe a little bit for a little while. I think we can do what we're doing now for a little while, but what's going to keep us doing it? Last point. How do we move from the first kind of freedom to the second kind? Woody Allen, I think, put it really succinctly when he was asked, uh, you know, how can you justify the affair that you had? He said, the heart wants what it wants. And this is what, in, in other words, the reason why we indulge the flesh is because we can't help ourselves. That we only go into relationships or stay in them because they serve our needs. Some sociologists have, have been theorizing that one of the reasons why, um, you know, childbirthing is is plummeting not in almost all Western nations where freedom is talked about a lot. It's because the relationship you have with children is the last one that you can't get out of legally, that you can legally leave your wife, your, your, your husband, you can leave your job. You can leave your geography. You can leave the place where you grew up, but you can't leave your children. And so people are saying, wait a second, why would I get stay in a relationship that I can't get out of? And so they're opting out. But we just defined you can't have love unless you're in constraints. And so what's going to move us from the concept of freedom from without constraints to having freedom in, in love? I think the answer Paul tells us is in the next verse. I find it really interesting that Paul gives us a command, but he doesn't just leave us with a command to do it. He says in verse 16, he says, this will only happen in the spirit. Four times, not once, not twice. Four times he says that you can only get this. You can only do this by walking in the spirit or by being led by the spirit. Being in the spirit is what he says. And so I think what he's trying to get out here is there needs to be something else in your life to make this happen. Of course, um, what is the spirit supposed to be doing in your life? Well, if you go to John chapter 16, we find out that Jesus says the spirit is sent into the world to illuminate the nature of Christ in your life. That the spirit is there so that we can see his nature. 
to see the real Jesus, that's his role. So to walk in the spirit, to be led by the spirit, to have all these sort of dynamic, active contexts that the spirit is being utilized in our life, it means to be led to Christ. So the last thing we need to get at here then is this, is what might the spirit be trying to show you right now? Right? What, what might he be trying to say to you right now? But if you can't and you won't give up your selfish ambitions and things that you're just going to use to protect yourself and hold yourself, what might he be trying to show you? I think he's trying to show you Jesus. Because let, this, let the Spirit show you that Jesus won our freedom by losing his. Paul here can say that the most freeing thing that you can do for others is to serve them because Jesus, the in the most cosmic moment in all the universe, with his ultimate freedom, he served us. The most freeing thing in the universe was Jesus losing his freedom to make us free. And if that's at the center of our lives, then we're going to give up for other freedoms out there to love and serve others. Christianity is the only religion that I know of where at the very core of it is God giving up his independence in order to save you. Inside the Trinity, God, Holy Spirit, Jesus, which you have in Philippians 2, when we're told that Jesus did not count equality something to be held or hold on to, but rather emptied himself of all glory. That's the kind of God that we have. We try to fill. That's what it means to be human. He empties. We try to get. He gave. And when you see, and only when you see, how he was willing to serve the unlovely in you, will your heart burst forth to serve the unlovely in others? That's the only time I know it. Only when you see what he did for us will you do for them. But you can take that deeper, can't you? Think of the root of bitterness you have. Think of your anger towards um, someone that might have slighted you. Think about why we're staying in ruts or why we're, we're in funks in our life, in our homes right now. At the end of the day, at some level, you get far enough down, it's because you don't feel like you're getting what you need. Unless you can realize that you've been given. And now I want to give. Unless you can get there, you're going to move out in life wherever you go, digitally, physically. You're going to go out and you're going to feel like you have to go out and get. You have to go get what you need unless you already have been given all that you need. And then you can serve. Then you can because you've been served. So um, I've been thinking a lot about the nature of our bodies and particularly in light of um, the coronavirus and what it's doing to our bodies. And um, our bodies are, are, are actually can, can fill us with awe. Uh, Bill Bryson wrote a book recently and he has this long quote. I want to read, I want to share it with you because it's, it's really just an awe filled quote. Let me read it to you. He says, did you know, Every second of every day, your body undertakes literally an unquantifiable number of tasks, a quadrillion, a nonillion, without requiring an instant of your attention. Altogether, it takes 7 billion, billion, billion atoms to make you that for the length of your existence, that will build and maintain all the countless systems and structures necessary to keep you humming to make you you. And that's a much bigger job than you realize. Unpacked, you are positively enormous. Your lungs, if you smooth out your lungs, they would cover a tennis court. 
and the airways within them would stretch nearly coast to coast. The length of all your blood vessels would take you two and a half times around the earth. Your DNA, you have a meter of DNA packed into every cell. And so many cells inside of you that if you've took that DNA and formed it into a single strand, it would stretch 10 billion miles beyond Pluto. Think of it. There is enough of you to leave the solar system. You are in the most literal sense, cosmic. Now, that's a long quote, I know, but it's too good of a, it, it, it gets at some of this. Sometimes when we feel so frail, we feel like so finite, you need to look at yourself and say, no, 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 no. I am actually technically out of this world. I, I, there, the stuff of me literally is out of this universe. And if you are in awe of yourself and how you are, and who you are, how much more, if you're a reflection of our creator, is he? If you're that beautiful, how much more beautiful is, is the one who made you? Right, Willing to end his own nature for your nature. If you were recharged, imagine you were recharged daily by his love. I mean, you wouldn't need everybody else's love daily on a, on a daily level, ultimately. You're debt-free, you're guilt-free, that death ultimately doesn't hold you. It, can't, it doesn't have the last say over you. You have freedom in the love of Christ that can now lead you out to freely love. And so here's how I want to end. How might this look practically in our lives today? It's, it's almost always in the mundane. Martin Luther said it's the way practical love looks. It looks like caring and comforting the afflicted, encouraging the weak, helping the neighbor, bearing up with rude manners and politeness, putting up with annoyances and labors. Um, it, it's, ingra- it's caring for those who have ingratitude, being patient at home. And I, what I love about that list is nothing about it in and of itself is profound. The profundity comes in the ability to do those things with no fanfare, without notice, without payment, because you don't need it anymore. I think our cultural moment right now is that right now, to be a normal person, we have the opportunity to literally save lives through our everyday sacrifices. Right now, we have that opportunity, social distancing, canceling events, not living out our own freedoms. It can actually save people. It's in the mundane, all by staying put. That's the beauty here. And if the spirit shows you Jesus and Jesus gives you grace and that grace we actually rest in, yes, we're, we're, we're having the motions up and down because our accept, being acceptable was not in our job. It was not in being productive. It was not in caring for the kids the right way. It was not in having the systems that we used to have and are, now we no longer have. That, those are all gone. Friends, we're stuck without freedom in our homes and we're bound in our minds and we have insecurities and we have anxieties and we have worries. A couple of days ago, we, we did one of those LSQ fireside chats and I don't, I don't normally cry, but I was crying because of the enormity of, of the, of the moment that we're in. There was a Harvard business review article and it was not trying to be ironic, the, they, the writer was saying the, the range of emotions that you and I are feeling right now, it's actually called grief. And as modern people, we don't know how to process our grief. We don't know how, what to do with it. It just undulates inside of us. And so as your pastor, what I'm telling you, the first step, it's actually to express and state and own 
and allow yourself to grieve. That we don't even know where to begin. But we know this, this is not good. We know there are people dying. We know there are uncertainties and they're not going to go away. And it seems like it's going to get worse before it gets better. People are hurting. I'm hurting. You're hurting. And when we're most stuck, when we're most in that depth, there is nothing more freeing than knowing that his love for you was his giving up his own freedom to set us free. And he does that through love by binding himself to us. Plunge yourself into that love. There's no better way of knowing that love for you. That when he lost all freedoms, willingly, lovingly, wonderfully doing it for you. Deep, deep down, you have to, you have to experience that and let that come out. And that's the only way it's going to bring about that true freedom in your life. Will you let that be your security? That's the only security I can see right now. It's our only hope, whether you're a Christian or not Christian today. Throw yourself at the foot of the cross. Let the spirit lead you to him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, these are are hard things. Um, These are not easy things to do. We're doing them. We're not built for isolation. We're doing them in isolation right now. And we're doing it. We're trying to do it out of love. And we can do it for a little while on our own, through our own stamina. But, you know, even that breaks. Help us to see your love for us on the cross. We're going to soon we're about to move into next week. We're going to move into a, um, Palm Sunday and Easter. And we're going to work, look for and examine your nature and life and what resurrection might have to say to us. Father, during this time of, um, of Lent, <laughs> I saw a sign, you know, uh, or something online saying, you know, when, called to give things up. I didn't know we'd be giving up so much. I pray it it reminds us of our need for you. Lead us to your your everlasting waters. Lead us to the life that, that you have for us. Your praising is in your name. Amen. Thanks for tuning into our church's podcast. We pray that it can serve as a resource for you as you continue processing aspects of Christianity and growing in your faith. We hope you'll subscribe to our podcast and we invite you to join us for worship on Sunday. We're located at the corner of West 64th Street and Central Park West. More details can be found on our website, lincolnsquare.redeemer.com. Thanks again for listening to the LSQ podcast.